0: Welcome back to another episode of the Smoke Pit. I'm your host, Stu, the Graybeard Veteran. I'm here with a special guest, Mike Foreman from uh, Point Blank. So Mike is a 30-year veteran, active duty law enforcement, and 14-year reservist law enforcement, which is a lot of years in law enforcement. I mean, how did you put up with that for that long, especially with the climate as it's been over the past 15, 20 years?
1: Well, I one, I was a blessing to get into law enforcement and have a, that career, but I've also enjoyed witnessing five decades of uh, a transition of law enforcement, the world we live in and i I do think it's one of the finest professions other than the military you can do. It's our opportunity to serve and um, you can truly make a difference and that, and I that's the bottom line. I think all of our objectives are Are we going out and making a difference? And so I was blessed and I was blessed to witness uh, everything from the 70s to the through the decades we live today and what we witness and know today.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird you say
1: that because, you know, I I believe in the five pillars of the United
0: States. You have the military, law enforcement, first responders, teachers and nurses. They're kind of what makes the United States go around and what makes us who we are today uh, accordingly. Mm -hmm. And my big push is, you know, lack of monies and lack of training, especially law enforcement. They go through such a, each department in each county has got different life insurance or different health insurance or different gear things and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, it's a tough piece. And now that you went from an end user now, and if I'm correct, you're the executive vice president, international business development, federal sales and marketing,
1: correct? Yes, sir. Um, I have. I am blessed again to uh, leave law enforcement and come to work for uh point blank enterprises i've been here 19 years and it is truly an honor because we we believe in what we do and that's that we save lives so i was fortunate enough to have a career that uh, felt we were making a difference and i know we uh, continue and the, the men and women do today and then the uh, the, the opportunity to protect our protectors is uh, such an honor and uh example this year more police officers have been shot in 2022 than in the history uh in the first six months uh so there obviously as we well know in harm's way it's dangerous so we also are having more saves uh we're which we're doing a, a good job and we strive to do a better job every day of that but that that's such an honor and every year we bring these officers in that have were shot during the year to come visit us and It's a reminder, uh, not only to me and our others, but even our factory workers, why we do what we do. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're a business and we have an obligation to produce a revenue, but how many people can say, uh, they're in the business to save lives? Yes, there are others. So it is a blessing that we're in this position.
0: No, I think too, for you, very unique is obviously within your career in law enforcement, you spent time with K nine regular patrol officer narcotics. Um, sniping i got your little list here criminal investigations i mean so you've seen it from all facets in the law enforcement industry you know going from the basic guy walking the beat to being you know an undercover agent doing a narcotics bus or something like that and the different variables of gear you need for each particular mission that's out there for law enforcement
1: yeah and and it's been enjoyable to watch the growth uh and and we we're dealing with generational changes right our own community our community makeup um, our respect for others, the view of Christianity and other things that kind of fate, uh, you know, shape the world we live in. But uh, I spent the vast majority of my career in SWAT, uh, about 18 years, and um, visiting with my old team, which i fortunate to do from time to time. Well, what is impressive to see is what I call the tactical IQ of the young SWAT officers today. They're, they're brilliant. And yes, we have uh, new equipment and advanced equipment, but the people still make the difference and determine the outcome. And it's really nice to see how uh, sharp these young men and women are. And again, I refer to it as tactical IQ. It's, they're brilliant. And it, again, you have to strive. There's more challenges today than I faced in the 70s and 80s and, and beyond. And uh, But the core mission remains the same. And uh, how we get there. So we all may travel a different path, but we all still need the same outcome.
0: Yeah, the end result is identical across the board, whether it's in the military and law enforcement or, or something like that, that does serve the community for some sort. And it brings me back to my days of second force is that we were just getting into the shooting stuff, learning how to do the CQB or IBT. And our first shooters kit was by Point Blank. And it was the old black gear. And I literally still have the bag and a couple pieces from that black gear. I think it was 1993 We or 92, we started testing it. And it's, it's just amazing how point blank itself has evolved, not only with as a company, but the individuals they have in certain places, key places that allow the end user to talk and you have an understand what's going on. or You can appease
1: the point of changing those pieces to make it work better for them. Well, I have a little bit of a history that's connected back to your background as well, uh, how people make a difference. We were fortunate enough that, all of our snipers uh, were trained by Carlos Hathcock, and I'm yeah. sure you know who oh, White is. Feather is. <laughs> but it wasn't so much that they went to White Feather School; it's what he did with their mindset, how he changed them for the rest of their life. Uh, I've never seen um, uh, anyone conduct training that shaped people for decades after they leave him. And so, uh, sorry for his passing years ago, but we were blessed to have those years and years with him, but it just illustrated what someone can do and the difference can be, that can be made. And that is that it is the person. And so, uh, your background, you have a history there with the Marine Corps. And that was a, another blessing we had and what a difference he made. And we were so fortunate that, um, our people that w- were trained by him and, and what they brought back. And then they lived, they lived his spirit for years. And, and that's, Really stood out to me.
0: Yeah, Hathcock was a, a big time motivator. I mean, we had quite a few of the snipers that we had uh, that would go up here to Campbell June and <clears throat> sit in the range, the Hathcock range, and he'd, he'd give certain classes. But his motivational piece was, it's not a, it's not about me. It's what I can give to you for your toolbox, is what he always would preach. And, you know, the, the guy was a legend, and he's going to live on past my time uh, within those legendary books because of what he did. I mean, I think the end of the day, too, is guys like that, you don't know what your legacy is until it's over with. And then the people that you've touched or you've been been involved with is what continues that legacy. So you really don't know, you know, until too late sometimes. But, yeah, the guy was a great man. I met him a couple times and was just honored to be in his presence, to be honest with you. You
1: And going back to making a difference, and he certainly was a man that made a difference.
0: Yes, exactly right. I mean, think too with Point Blank over the years that I've used their kits and stuff like that. They're making a difference because they're listening to the end users. They're actually embedded with it. They're figuring out, hey, what can I do here to help this guy out? Or how can I better this kit? Or can I slimline this? And it gives you, I mean, the technology where we're Point Blank Enterprise at now is huge. I think for me, uh, not because you're on the show with me, but I I think Point Blank's been one of the companies that I've been looking at over the years and seen them grow. Based off the people in certain positions, and they they learn from it.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, next year is our fiftieth anniversary uh, that Point Blank's been making body armor, right? And uh, it, it it is a great story. Um, my first vest was a Point Blank vest in nineteen seventy four, um, and uh, the technology has continued to improve. Right, it's a given. A common objective is lighter weight, higher performing. Right. Yeah. Uh, And there have been limits, but the technology has improved significantly. And because of that, more people wear their vest today uh, in law enforcement and military, I believe, because it is designed to work. It's designed the lightest weight possible, highest performing uh, and functional. And so the wear rate, we would like to think everybody wear it 100% of the time, but that's not the world we live in, but that it's there to protect lives and and so it it is amazing and rewarding to see how that's evolved and um and it's interesting because it was about 10 years ago we were developing a solution for uh special operations command which obviously needs to be the best of the best and a result of that technology evolved into what is the most popular law enforcement best today but again that evolution and tie back to a and the special threats they may face, and the special threats that could come the way of law enforcement. So it's an interesting. We introduced that through a lot of planning uh, that got us to where we're at today, and we're you know starting in the next two years, it will be the next generation of uh, body armor. But the what is called Alpha Elite is a series is a vest that we introduced uh, in 2013, and now we have delivered that to over 700,000 officers. And if you think about that for a moment. There's around 800,000 officers in America. And yes, there's been turnover and replacement, but to show you the percentage and uh, just remarkable that they're now wearing it. And it's because of, I call it the three Ps. It's the the pounds, the performance and the price, and you have to hit all three. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I mean, seriously, in uh, the fact that you have to consider pricing, you need to make items that are affordable that do the job and, and be worn every day. And so we're proud to produce the finest product, but it also be within reach. So we're, you know, it's, it was a great story, great outcome. Um, again, going back, more officers being shot. We have more saves. And uh, you know one interesting story, uh, right after we introduced it, there was a, a Lieutenant from U- Utah Highway Patrol that was shot, hit four times. Well, here's what I found. And uh, there were four troopers on that scene. And they were ambushed by a random active shooter, unfortunately. He was the only trooper that had his vest on. Hmm. He was the only trooper shot that day. So that's just by God Almighty overseeing that. But but he survived. And that was it. We had just introduced Alpha Lead. And turns out then he's making a, a purpose in his life to go out and make a difference, educate others through training, wellness, and wear your body armor to go home safely every day to your family. And we were fortunate enough to, to meet his family. Great man, great family. And uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think you're correct.
0: Over 30 years, I mean, I'll be honest, there's certain times I took my vest off because it was very cumbersome. You know, you talk about functionality. If I have a vest on, I should be able to do certain things and move certain ways. But, but over the years, I mean, my last trip in Iraq, I mean, I was pretty much scaled down. I might've weighed with kit. 45 pounds with kit vice to 75 pounds or 80 pounds it used to be. And they wonder why yep. I old guys, well, you probably have it too. Our knees are all jacked up and they're like, well, why is that? I don't know. Maybe I had the wrong shoes on it or my socks weren't fitting properly today. And I didn't go to X to get it, but no, it is. And I think it comes down to functionality, especially today, because I, I hate to say it. And I, I wish there was a way that we could give cops a different mm-hmm. method when they pull people over or they confront individuals that gives them a seek and they, is this guy really going to freak out? Is he this guy looking to shoot somebody? Because a lot of it's senseless. It's the purpose is they're, they're there to protect you and your dumbasses out there shooting them. For what reason to be on YouTube, you know, to be able to post and say, Hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. But again, too, over, over the past 30 years, you know, they have body armor now that fits females correctly. It's not a male's vest anymore. It's a female curved vest which gives those uh, young ladies that are in law enforcement and military saying, okay, this, I can wear this and be functional with it
1: as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, about 27% of American law enforcement's female and it continues to grow as it should. Um, And, and within that there, just like men, there's all types of body shapes and all sizes and to, to really do our job, are we providing what works for everyone, not just for a few? And so we're excited in fact we have a new female design that now that you mentioned that coming out and we're excited because it will enhance comfort and protection levels significantly so you know it's you got to have that continuous improvement we strive for that you know and we don't know you don't know where the threat's going to come from right Right. we can look at prior incidents active shooters and then think that it's limited to the south side of chicago or los angeles no it could be small town america it could be anywhere here in the last week we uh, lost a young deputy here in Florida, a uh, tragic story, a meth dealer, uh, senseless, uh, you know, act where the result was just the service of a warrant. And, you know, that's young man is not with us today. And uh, that's not what his plan when he wor- went to work the other night. And you never know. And this was in a small rural area in central Florida and uh, tragic, but, you know, it's about being prepared. And uh, there's two things I truly believe in. One is training. Training will save lives. It will prevent lawsuits and you will do a better job and your community will be proud of you as a result of that. And the other is provide the proper equipment and protection that is necessary.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I agree. The PPE for <clears throat> it needs to be the same across the board for law enforcement. There needs to be a way of funding or budgeting. So every department, and I know this is a fallacy, but every department. Has the same means as your high-paid departments, like your Nassau counties in New York and Suffolk counties, that make stupid money and have stupid budgets. Don't you're wrong. It's great they have that, but it should be across the entire United States, uh, so you can pick what's on a. Um, the thing well, that- you know, and
1: I and but you're so spot on, and uh, sometimes we as in the country need to wake up and recognize that every officer, uh, every officer is important, and their life's important, and what they do is. And um, we see that and we see that in some um, southern states and it may be that they have a limited budget and what they have available to them is hundreds of dollars less to some other agency that has a high tax base. And just because they have a high tax base, they can buy more expensive equipment. And it's unfortunate that's what it comes down to because every officer should be be afforded the best protection available and be encouraged to, to use that. Um, boy, it's a it's a subject that someday should be addressed.
0: No, I agree. and the thing I I talked about in my last podcast, most states have a a state lottery, and they say all oh, goes is education. okay, well let's let's take ten percent of that or twelve percent of that and put it into a law enforcement fund for that state. And each county has the ability to draw from that fund for their PPE. So it's identical. So when you go out and do the testing, when I was a sock at the schoolhouse, new kit came in because somebody saw it. We tested it and we had the ability to, you know, make comments on it or or make certain changes that we want to have to make it fit for us, be functional for us and later. So I think the law enforcement needs to have that same capability just because you're in a certain unit doesn't mean you should get better kit than the cat that's in the, you know, the five or sixth uh, individual department. You know, it just to me, it makes no sense. That's me about a law enforcement no, guy.
1: absolutely and i i would i would encourage them to use some of that uh, that funds uh, to allocate toward training it's part of education right i i live in a state where we have a very wealthy lottery you know that produces billions of dollars yet our school system is ranked one of the lowest in the country like all right so obviously uh, money doesn't make all the answers but uh i would love to see that and when they've talked about defunding the police, we went through that period of time uh-huh. through the media, which is just silly, right? And that's yeah. not what the, the, the people of America want. It's just not. Uh, but one of the first things they cut is training. Just think about that for a moment. I'm gonna cut training, but you're gonna complain about the results. Then what do you think the end results will be if you uh, cut training? It's It just doesn't make sense, but that's a whole nother story. And, you know, but, uh, uh, sometimes we should just apply common sense and far too often it's not being applied
0: no agreed and i think the common sense approach uh, they just and i hate to use these this, this word the politicians it's about you know how can they get their uh, their name in certain places you know that should be irrelevant across the board because there was a training company that uh, was out there that for active shooters so they were teaching doing very well um it was kind of realism shooting so you and i could be looking at each other and go through a scenario and I could actually draw my weapon and shoot you through a mirror, obviously. But if a guy, if a if law enforcement or cop has a shooting incident, he goes through this training to kind of rehabilitate to get him back on the street. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care who you are. The first time you shoot a human being is probably the worst time in your life. And anybody says any different than that, he needs to be committed. That's just my personal and professional opinion. So, I mean, take that training away. I mean, come on.
1: Well, and you you bring up a good point, and i just use the opportunity to raise, uh, I'm sensitive, and, we, uh, and I've been in my career involved in shootings, and uh, we as human beings process it differently, and I respect uh, how everyone processes it. And talking about body armor, we're having more officers shot every year with body armor. We're bringing them down here. We're meeting them. We're hearing the stories, but we're also very respective of the distance they need. Some would like to open up. Some it's private because they're processing it differently. One of the best values that we found is that when we bring them together is the interaction with each other, because in law enforcement far too often, we're treating them as a hero as we should, but we pat them on the back and say, get back out there, yep. right back in the lineup, right back into the play. And they're still processing, was there another life taken Did they have to kill the suspect mm-hmm. and- that's good, but everybody processes that differently. Was another officer injured? Was there another officer loss of life? And we, but far too often, we pat them on the back, get back to work, and we ignore that process of healing. And I would just encourage everyone out there in every agency to respect that and understand that everyone's different, but just don't assume because you were a hero one day that you're prepared to be a hero the next. You may need assistance, and how you handle that. And uh, it's ignored far too often. Um, I'm not sure what some of the agencies in America are doing because there's some horror stories. Uh, we had one officer shot death center in his chest. It was on his webcam, so national news, been shown probably hundreds of thousands of time. No one from that department checked on see how he was doing two days later. I mean, how do you how do you do that? I don't understand. We went to check on them just as a third party, is because we care. We believe our customers. We want them to be customers for life. That can have a couple of different meanings. Maybe their life was saved. But we want we want you to be our customer throughout your career and be part of what we do. But we also care. And I'm astounded when I come and I hear that that agency didn't care enough about that man to go check on him two days later. Oh, he's fine. He survived. He's a hero. But God, I'm just I would encourage people to recognize the need to support uh, the day of the event, before the day of the event, the day of the event, and the days after. No, agreed. I, like this
0: morning, I, I go to a breakfast the first Friday of every month. There's like 12 or 14 of his old old guys that get together, and that's the thing that we sit down. How can we figure out? We're not going to we're not going to stop suicide. Uh, we might be able to control it. But part of that control is, like you just said, is after an incident like that, especially for, for law, law enforcement is too upfront and close. The military, yeah, I got some distance and da-da-da. It it's a little bit, it's a different type of shooting than law enforcement. It's like, okay, pull that individual after the shooting and sit down. Someone's got to talk to him, whether it's in his department, but someone who has an idea of what he just went through. Because he might not want to talk about it. He's, he's trying to, like you said, process it and figure it out. Okay, what do I do now? I just took a human being's life, a father, a son, a grandfather, a husband. You know, that's what goes through your mind. But then at the end of the day, it was either him or I. So, yeah, he has to die. That's just the way. And unfortunately, that's the way the world is. But I agree. You need to have somebody kind of check up on that. Just do a, a health call. Hey, man, how's it going? Go have a beer with him. Or just drive over and, you know, say hi, say what's going on but we missed
1: that. I think uh, the, the best we can do is listen. You know, I uh, when I first got out of law enforcement, I, I felt I had a successful career, had a lot of experiences, and I was very fortunate. And uh, I made the mistake of thinking that people wanted to hear what I had to say. And the, uh, now that I was a civilian, I need to understand the best thing I can do is shut up and listen. And we yeah. don't do enough of that.
0: No, it... I don't. And from when I talked to my guys, I've been through a couple of times. I, I was a guy who put the gun in his mouth and was going to kill himself and realize that, you know, you're being selfish. But the thing is, someone was there to help me. If they weren't, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. But again, to, you have to follow up as strong minded as you think people are. That's still an incident that affects everybody across the board to include not only the individual just committed, you know, had the shooting or took a life his family now, because now he's going to be drawn away from his family. And that's where the divorces come in and you got problem with all that stuff. So if departments could take the time to just check on their, their uh, law enforcement guys and be kind of more vigilant to sit and find out what's going on and see where their feelings are at. Cause at the end of the day,
1: it's emotional, man. You got to do it. Exactly. And I, and I, and I would encourage that it uh, not just be for the, that day or that week, but, throughout the future and, and ongoing because far too often I've seen people process this and hold it within and then 10 years later uh unfortunately take their life or do something uh as a result of them not being able to cope it for the previous 10 years and uh we're good at short-term intervention sometime but yeah again one of our goals at point blank is a customer for life and that's why we actually share and uh, you know you know as much as they want interaction, is to the, our saves that we call them. What you know? What are you doing today? How's your career going? You know, five years from now, um, and we we like many of them to come back and speak to other saves. You know, ten and twenty years later, it's, that interaction invaluable. And uh, this, the, everyone, including every police agency in America, needs to be in it for the long haul. And sometimes we're real good at short-term investments. We need to be there for long-term investment, each and every man and woman.
0: I, I think maybe that's something that kind of a committee, um, the Chiefs organization, to get together and come up with a committee that allows that to happen through the agencies. I, I think that it, it has to be done that way because I can't imagine being shot and in that process of being shot taking another life at the same time. I mean, that's I don't know. I have, to, I have a couple a couple bottles of uh, liquor in order to get rid of that. But again, too, in light of it. You got to make. Well,
1: something needs to be done, uh, looked at, and I don't. I don't believe it's uh, been being handled uh, as well as it could. Uh, I've approached leaders, you know, that are at the national sheriff's level and international chiefs of police and leading chiefs of police. Um, But I do believe that uh, it's an issue that we ignore far too often. And um, but I'm I'm, again, I feel I'm blessed. I work for a company in our small way. Are we making a difference? Uh, Yeah. I, we're saving lives every day and we're there today, tomorrow, and in the future. And, you know, we're proud to, to to know that we do that. So that brings me to a point. How did you go from all these years in law
0: enforcement and get into this type of industry with point blank enterprise?
1: Well, I, I think uh, my network, as I was fortunate in my tactical career, and I spent a lot of time in training, I was fortunate enough to uh, train with other people around the country. I was fortunate enough to, uh, train in other countries, uh, busing. Then I also was part of, we started a group called the Florida SWAT association and then many other state associations have, you know, come out. And then the national tactical officer association was in that same number of years. And so it was through training and the network of training. And then when I hit my 30 years and I wanted to make a, you know, I thought continue to make a difference. Um, To me, this was tied to training because I think training saves lives. And so uh, when I was offered the opportunity to come work at Point Blank, uh, I was very fortunate. But in my mind, I wasn't leaving my profession. I was just taking another role and trying to make a difference. Yeah, going from the end
0: user, active duty end user to now the the voice of the end user to finally make whatever those uh, corrections need to be had accordingly. Which makes total sense. The best people that, in the type of jobs that you're in are those that were there and have done that. You know, as we say, got the credit card T-shirt and you know a couple beers in their hand. <clears throat> but I mean, that's that's the best thing about it. And it's, I think for uh, for big companies like Point Blank, they bring people like yourself in to augment their uh, leadership in order to make them better uh, in the long run. Because you're listening. You you've been there. You've done that. You're listening to the end user. You were that end user. And that's what you bring to the table accordingly. I think the other thing, too, with Point Blank, you got something coming out here very shortly. It's called the OMFV, the Op... What's it
1: called? Optionally manned Fighting Vehicle. Yes. So how did that concept come out? Well, a little bit of background leading up to that. So uh, we became a leader in law enforcement and personal protection. But, you know, we also uh, entered the hard armor market the uh, hard armor plates, the ESAPI and other types of plates from um, every soldier to SOCOM and others. Uh, And we became a leader in that area. And we're also a leader in uh, platforms to include vessels, vehicles and aircraft. So we're the leading provider of all the rotor wing up armor. You know, people usually just think of us as a vest company. Right. And so um, we have a great team of engineers and uh, uh, our executive vice president over m- military business development, Mark Edwards, it was significant background in vehicle armor and other things. And so when the army wanted to uh, look at what the future hold, we wanted to participate and we're using lessons learned and experience in a new area for us. And so um, the OMFE is a series of phases and we've been fortunate to participate in that. And uh, using both uh, new and non-traditional uh, platform approaches uh, and a fully modular system architecture to to look at the future. I mean, th- this is a next generation uh, vision. And so we've been fortunate enough to continue to advance through uh, multiple phases now uh, and be a part of that. Uh, we're not the only ones, um, but we're, we're proud of that because it is um, going to, you know, present an opportunity and an advancement probably like never been seen before, at least in this era that we're currently living. You know, uh, living in. Uh, so we're looking at um, the persistent modernization of the vehicle, um, the operability of it, improved sustainability, uh, and, and a key there is persistent modernization. And uh, as we know, we're living a time where technologies move moves at light speed, right? And yeah. so uh, that being continuous improvement or the, the the modernization of it is going to be a cycle. But this vehicle will be the vehicle of choice for decades to come. And so being modular and how we build upon that. So again, we're blessed. Um, it will you know be a smart vehicle. It'll offer protection. It'll be lethal. and It'll be a lot of things. But it uh, it, it and is what we've witnessed in the world today and what could lie ahead in the future we're under threat around the world and what the poor people of ukraine went through and and we're fortunate that we have supported that endeavor but um and as we learned from uh iraq afghanistan and other uh all environments are different so we have to adjust to environments uh we have to again provide the tools uh that can be effective in all environments so again we're fortunate that we've been down selected um uh, we have, but I also want to make it clear, there are partners um, of several that have been handpicked cautiously from every component of this uh, obviously man fighting vehicle to get us where we're out today and what will be ultimately the vehicle of choice for the future.
0: Yeah. I took that I kind of get a good briefing on, it. I looked at that the other day and just the ability to uh, an individual being away from the vehicle to still, uh, you know, engage targets and still be able to maneuver through the, uh, the, the war zone part is going to be kind of neat to see how that's going to affect on the military side. But then again, the law enforcement, you ain't got to worry now about pushing another vehicle up in front of a door or something like that. You can stand off. You can throw that tear gas in there if you want to, you can get accuracy on it. So you ain't got to worry about,
1: you know, there's still going to be, you still need a human factor in it. I don't care what anybody says. You still have to have that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, most people don't realize we build, uh, surveillance vehicles, and right. we are uh, do the majority of the covert surveillance vehicles for the lead federal agencies that need that type of equipment. And uh, you know, the, those have become smart vehicles. Uh, it's incredible uh, operational capability compared to the past. In my day and age, in the uh, 70s, uh, we had a fan with dry ice, and that's I and you held a camera and you looked out of a van window. And today, it's uh, advanced technology with uh, 360-degree viewing uh, in all aspects, both video and audio, and can be and it can be operated from a smartphone. You know, a uh, little different. Uh, me, you know, sweating my uh, you know what off, and the guy sitting over at Starbucks having a coffee, looking at his uh, uh, smartphone, operating the vehicle and conducting surveillance. So yeah, the world's changing. Uh, but number one, people make the difference. It will continue. Uh, this vehicle will make a difference. Make our soldiers safer, better, with inch- achieving the results and objectives that are necessary, right to to be successful in conflict, uh, be determined the winner, and bring people home safe. But without a doubt, I still am a big believer: people make the difference.
0: And it's funny you say it because you know I, I always kind of, I wouldn't say bag, but I, I kind of dog some of the generations that I've seen throughout my sixty years. And to, to a company like yourselves to take a um, an idea and, and manufacture to what it's needed for what's out there for the requirement is that these kids today are very good with joysticks. They're very good at playing games. Now you put that joystick in that kid who's very good at it and he's now, he's deadly and he's, he's not in any, any danger. Now and You can now play with that. I hate to use the word play, play with his little joystick there to get the thing to move, but it, it makes total sense because you're evolving with the generations now and saying, okay, these guys, they were more, let's put on their feet, let's go walk and let's go get some. Nowadays, these kids are more electronic-wise. You're talking about smartphones. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody's talking across the networks. And now you use that phone for other things that are more protective for the United States. You know, And I think that's that's amazing how companies can yeah,
1: but but I and I cautiously say that we have to be careful that we rely too much on technology. And, and here's my uh, uh, view on that and what I've witnessed is that Um, I come from, I live in central Florida and it's a hub for uh, simulation training. Uh, and that's the, the, there's a, there's a research part for all branches of the armed forces and it's advanced significantly and everything from weaponry to airplanes, to tanks, you name it. But there's a time and place that you need to do real life scenario based training because you can't replicate that through a video or 3d the best you can. And, um, you know, I I know time and money and all that, but we you got to be careful that you rely on that technology and too much. Um, and and I share one last result of that is that um, I had the opportunity to be uh, the command of our training division at the sheriff's office I came from, and we were very proactive. And but a lot of it was just that we had a simulator, we had a driving simulator, we had a shooting simulator, and like many of the agencies in our state. Once you pass the state qualifying course once a year, you don't have to do anything else, but that's not gonna prepare prepare you for surviving incidents on the street all the time. So we wanna enhance that mental and physical capability both, and you only do that by experiencing that. So we did a lot of scenario-based training, including firearms. And my last year, uh, the year I retired, we had a female officer that was shot seven times by three Jamaican gang members one of the early rounds took out her strong hand. She engaged them, returned fire successfully until backup got there, survived, and we took them down. And But what was the proudest moment beyond, you know, God blessing her and her surviving, being hit seven times was, she said in May while laying in the hospital bed, I did that scenario in February at the range. That prepared me for today. That is what training's all about. I tell trainers, you you save lives every day. You don't always get to measure it because they just went home safe, but rest assured you save lives every day. But instances like that are very graphic and tell the story truly. And uh, again, if we get too heavy on the video games and the joysticks and everything else that could possibly save time and money, you ask yourself, am I preparing my men and women for the real world they're going to face? And I believe you're not. So you have to do a combination thereof and commit to it. Yeah, I, I still think you you need to have the human factor no matter what you're doing. Because like you said, with
0: training, and as I think another part with even the military and law enforcement, you don't train enough. You know, good practice is good, but perfect practice makes you better. And if you got to do it, like for me, I constantly, I, I shoot every Sunday. I drive fire in my house. You know, I stay consistent with concealed draws because... You get rusty. If you don't do it, that, that one split second of apprehension could cost you your life. So, no, yeah, i was losing the human factor for everything. You know, yeah. I make fun of these kids with joysticks where they, they're they very versatile with it. That's what the military, the recruiting part we're having is getting kids in. Well, I
1: think the military is better than law enforcement. But we also have to look at the, the, the people that are coming into the organization as new soldiers or new police officers. Uh, we're in different generational views, um, oh, yeah. and how we pre- prepare them for what they may encounter, um, you may have to take a different approach because of the type of people we deal with today. But you still need the same outcome. But yeah. you need to understand it, and you and you we owe it to them to prepare them. And I and and our is not video game related, but we also quick on police officers and maybe even soldiers. We put a lot of tools on their tool belt, right? <laughs> They're yeah. loaded down. Go look at an ulcer today. Between everything they have on their belt, you know, they're not sure what to grab next, but they become reliant far too much on those tools at times, whether it be pepper spray, a baton, or a taser, or deadly force, or other devices they may carry. But how about the ability to talk to people? How yes. about the ability to just use your hands effectively? We become so dependent on alternative tools, they don't know how to react to what we grew up with in our generation, one, talk to them. And it's okay to put hands on to do it appropriately. And, and I'm not a, a, a believer that you have to abuse anyone to get the outcome. But today's world, far too often, they rely on the tools. Well, if I can't take them down with a taser, if I can't take them down with pepper spray, then what do I do? That's where training comes in. Right. I agree. I, I think, too, we, we, we should allow law enforcement,
0: to give it a little bit more leniency they have, as a, we'll say over the past seven years, you have the ten percent. I call it across the board. No, whether it's military, law enforcement, your first responders, your teachers, and your your nurses, you're going to have that ten percent bag. And unfortunately, you can never correct that. But um, you can keep an eye out. But if, you got to keep training though. You just training is consistent. It's constant, constant, constant. In order to get muscle memory, three thousand counts. In order to get muscle memory, well. If you do that this month and don't do it for another six months, you got to redo it again because you got to relearn that muscle memory. And that's well, I like worried. to,
1: and I'd like to just bring up one last thing that we've achieved recently, and we're really proud of this. So, over the last two years, we've been looking at armor system for police officers that could give you more than one option to do many, many different jobs. Meaning from patrol officer all the way to your advanced tactical team and everything in between. So we have just introduced uh, here in the past couple months, what's called Origin. And we're extremely excited about it because it's a whole dynamic, different approach to what systems, modular systems consist of. So when our customers see this, it's different materials, different production and uh, capability. We've eliminated hook loop uh, Velcro, if you will. and, And so many things, it's dynamic. And it, it'll take you from a concealable vest all the way to full tactical, or it can be plate carrier, load bearing, whatever, you need, but it's one system. And it's so dynamic. Uh, we're excited about that. Our customers that have seen it are gravitating into it immediately. But again, not only do we need to provide superior ballistic protection, but the system has to be advanced. And so that's a major accomplishment that we've recently achieved. It's exciting. Um, those that, See us at the upcoming trade shows, uh, you know, or, or online. Boy, we look forward to people to see this because, again, are we making a difference? And boy, we sure made a difference here. Well, that kind of brings me up. Your
0: next trade show, I believe, is at AUSA on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So if you can tell the listeners how can they – where you guys located? You got a booth in there. Uh, I mean, I haven't been to ASUA in probably three years. You know, how they can look and see what you're going to be focusing on or, or putting out there at the ASUA.
1: Yeah, so it is the largest uh, event for the U.S. Army and held every year right. in Washington, D.C., in addition to the exhibits and trade show, it's the Association of U.S. Army. So key meetings take place, but for qualified individuals, we'll be in Hall C. When you come right off the escalator, we'll be there and we'll be uh, displaying what we've accomplished to date for the OMFE, along with our armor. You know, understand we are the leading provider, not just to law enforcement. We provide about over 65 percent of all U.S. law enforcement personal protection, but we do over 70 percent of the U.S. military, both soft and hard and, and, and other platform systems. So uh, things have advanced significantly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to see it, it is getting better. It is getting lighter and it's getting more functional. And, that, and that's what the origin systems about is being more functional, and offering the highest level of protection. That's
0: great, and hopefully everybody who gets out there to AUSA can take a stop by your booth and look at what's going on. The future, what Point Blank Enterprise has got going on, you know, not not only now, but what the future looks like in the next five years. You know, the progression, uh, the full functional shooters kit or kit, I think, is great because it allows you for each mission set to break your bag down, and you just got to pull that stuff out and just add on or take off depending on what the mission set is. And I think that's a, a big benefit these days. Instead of going like we used to our FISB kits we had in the Marine Corps. Yeah, I had three bags if I was a climber. And you're digging through bags. Yeah. Get a modular system that's functional across the board, across whoever it is for any mission set, whether it's law enforcement or military, is the best thing I think possible.
1: And it saves money let's be honest. I yeah, mean- a- Absolutely. One of our key customers who just did it, they were, they were had three systems that they would keep on hand available and now they bought one kit and it does everything and they scale up, scale down. And again, uh, we ask ourselves, is it going to save their life? And we feel it will, but it, it's, it's answering so many different questions and we're excited because not only is our, that system going to be the system for the next decade plus, it's that good. Is that, We have ballistic systems that are forthcoming uh, that are in development that will also be the future. So there's a lot of exciting things happening here. And that's what I get excited when I get in front of a soldier or a police officer. There's no one, I'm going to make a difference for you and your family because that's what it's about. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's about them, their extended family and everything else. So it's, it's all about that. And, um, I think um, those that are the naysayers of American law enforcement got it wrong. I know that's not the average, but the media wants to take a a different, I think, look in what they publish. But thank God for American law enforcement. Thank God for American soldiers uh, for allowing us to talk here today and live the life we live. We live in the greatest country in the world. Um, And we're, you know, we get to play a small part of making a difference.
0: Yeah, exactly, and like you just said, it's for me. It's an honor just to be able to do these podcasts to bring awareness to bring guests like yourself on it, talks about the new innovation within the any uh, arena for law enforcement and military. And it, it's just nice to know there's other people that have the same like minded ideas. Uh, and that your whole job is to make sure that people that wear your kit or those that are, are wearing your kit are safe at the end of the day, you know. And it's, if it doesn't put a smile on your face, then like i say if you, if you can't smile yourself in the mirror in the morning go back to bed and try it again you know at the end of the day just smile well mike it, it's been a pleasure talking to you um i'm sure at some point i'd like to sit down and talk to you again and get some story stories and uh hopefully everybody all your listeners uh check them out next week monday tuesday wednesday in washington dc for AUSA. um and that that's about it um again a pleasure
1: and well, thank you to, for the opportunity to be here, uh, Stu. I appreciate you, and uh, I, I do appreciate what you do, and uh, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you, sir. And for the uh, the Smoke Pit listeners,
0: our next guest next week will be Nick Cumulatos, who we'll be featuring. We'll talk to him next week. So stay tuned for some more episodes from the Smoke Pit. Thank you. Thank you.